What if you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious? Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. I am excited to be here today with David Brown. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So now first, let me give you a little background on David. We know each other from the marketing and branding world uh, with David most recently serving as CMO at Honey Mamas, a Portland-based natural food company making absolutely delicious cocoa truffle bars. I highly recommend them. And David just did an amazing rebranding at the company. So I would highly recommend checking them out. And, um, Another thing that David and I have in common besides our career function is that we've both taken sabbaticals and traveled during that time. And, you know, I'll admit that taking a sabbatical isn't something I usually admit openly because while everyone wishes for sabbaticals, in my opinion, it's not widely accepted by corporate America. And, um, you know, David and his now wife, Alexandra, wrote a book about their glorious year of travel called A Year Off, A Story About Traveling the World and How to Make It Happen for You. And A Year Off is one part memoir, one part travel essays, and one part travel guide. So I'm excited to talk with David today about his experiences and really dig into this a bit more together, as well as talk about general career satisfaction as well as walking your own path versus say, just keeping on the traditional kind of treadmill, if you will. So now the final preamble I'll give uh, is that I know that during the pandemic, we're all not traveling, (laughs) but I think there are good lessons uh, that David can share regardless of how you travel, meaning even daydreaming or side jaunts uh, that you can do now. And I think at this moment in this pandemic, we could all use a little dreaming about what a pause in the future might look like. And uh, also I would say the book has incredibly beautiful photography throughout it as well. So I encourage you to pick it up to carry you abroad now while we're hunkered down in place. So David, now turning it to you, can you share a high level of what you and your wife did, you know, several years ago now, I think we were just figuring out, you know, the adventure you took. And I'm curious, do you even call the time off you took a sabbatical? Well, first off, thank you. It's great to be on the show. Thank you for that, uh, that little preamble. Um, and I don't think I do call it a sabbatical. I think I usually just call it, you know, taking a year off. Um, it was an interesting process to get there in the sense of, um, you know, working really hard, moving through promotions and getting into more work that I thought was aligned with what I wanted to do and, and getting some satisfaction from that. 
but also just having another part of me that really missed, you know, travel and seeing the world and, and just being in that um, environment that allows for spontaneity um, and newness and, and change and difference. Um, and so for me, it was like, I guess it was kind of a, a little bit of a bet, first bet on the unknown of saying like, okay, let's just do this. I don't think I knew, well, I originally wanted to take three months off and on by myself, not, not with anyone else. <laughs> I didn't even know Alexander when I planned this, um, uh, on a motorcycle through Europe. Um, and then, uh, spend some time in Japan. And I, a lot of what I wanted to do was just look at products, um, that inspired me and kind of ways of life that inspired me and just kind of, um, you know, look at different makers and see where that, that would, uh, take me. And then eventually told Alexandra, um, that this was my plan, uh, to take off and she was wanting to go instead of kind of right off the bat. And so we barely knew each other and she's like, I want to go. Um, so that was probably the biggest twist of that whole trip by a long shot is that I really didn't know this woman. Um, we started planning and it went from just, Hey, let's go for three months to, well, if you're going to straight up quit your job, why don't you take a year, uh, at least and just, it doesn't really, the difference isn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, and I was very anxious about re-entry and what this meant to you know everything I had built to date right like what will this mean for future employment what does it mean for my own drive um, all that kind of stuff but I think the reason that I was able to go was just like it was the most sincere next step forward it was the most genuine this is if there was really something that was interesting to me this seemed interesting and we'll just see where it lands um and I think in the in the end, a lot of it was, well, I guess everything is always a little of that, like personal life and career. Um, a lot of it wasn't in around personal life in the sense of like, I needed to live in a different way than I was living before. Um, and I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I knew I wasn't feeling the satisfaction I wanted to feel from like hurdles that I was jumping. I was like, oh, that's supposed to feel better than that. Um, and that just like, wasn't really happening. So I was like, well, do something you want to do then. Um, and so I was so incredibly nervous, but what we ended up doing was, okay, it's going to be a year. And we decided on a general plan east to west. Um, there's a little part in this book where we started getting a little bit more, you know, we both do strategies, so a little more strategic about where we'd go. Uh, and it's still just a general reference that we use all the time, which is a balance of like tourism, um, you know, weather and, and, and different elements basically to say, okay, when, when is the best time to be where? Um, and we sort of chase the sun generally uh, around the world. So it was, it was, it was kind of a whole a year long summer, which was really nice. And it was, it was such a good decision. Um, I loved it. Uh, and coming back was, nothing like what I thought it would be like. And the trip was nothing like what I thought it would be like. So does that answer your question? It does. And I'm going to probe (laughs) a little bit more. Um, I love what you said about, you know, the sincerity. And I wonder what should people be looking for? You mentioned like you weren't getting the satisfaction from the hurdles you were jumping 
And that was a signal for you. If you were to advise people, even if it's just a pause, right, that or that they need to be looking at things a little bit differently, even if it's not taking a full year off to go travel, but what should they be paying attention to? Because I think so often we all just get on the treadmill and we forget to pay attention to Mm -hmm. how we're feeling. And then it's X number of years later where that lack of satisfaction has been, starts to wear on you. So to me, I'm impressed that you were paying attention enough to recognize it and then to fill go fill yourself up by taking a year off of travel. So do you have any advice for people around what they should be paying attention to and what they should be looking out for? That's a very loaded question. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of different inroads I could take on that. I mean, I think, you know, I wasn't doing this then, but I wish someone would have mentioned it to me. I probably wouldn't have listened because I hate these kind of exercises, but it's such a great exercise. Um, what I, what I do now is I write, I do, so I, you know, do brand strategy, um, do brand strategy. And one, it was great because it in, enabled me to, to use kind of the left and right sides of my brain, which is just kind of, I have no choice but to do that, right? That's just kind of the way I'm, I'm wired. And the job kind of helped with that. And so, you know, when you're really looking at a brand, it's like, it's like looking at a person, you know, you're really kind of trying to understand what's, what's real about what's going on with this person versus kind of the show or what, how they're expressing themselves right now. And there's like, it's a deep nuanced kind of qualitative experience. And I think, you know, I didn't really apply that to myself so much. And I think like I was noticing that for being as, you know, like early on in life, very artsy, I was really kind of just knocking down the, you know, hurdles that gave me, which I think most people are looking for. What is what are you doing that gives you value, right? Like as a human being, what makes you worthy of being on the earth or worthy of a good partner or worthy of a promotion or just a general sense of worth. And I think like um, there are some paths that are like, you know, well-established and they usually link with like dollars that make uh, people feel like, okay, I got kind of a, a general standard of worth right now, you know, like, and as I was going through and, and did, you know, big brand relaunch, which was awesome. Um, but after like, you know, the intensity of it all kind of died down and I was feeling more confident in my skill set, I think that like, the temple bell or whatever term you want to use to answer your question more directly was just that I had a certain expectation or once the buzz of things sort of wore off, I was able to align kind of like, what did you think you were going to feel like? Did you even take the time to think about what you thought you'd feel like, or were you just kind of up on the buzz of success and whatever that felt like at the time? and what that does for you. Um, And like, I think what I was able to look at, you know, momentarily, which I just think is the way that all this kind of stuff is, it's only momentary that you get a sense of like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. You know, I I think like balance is, is, as a word makes you think of like 
stability, but in reality, it's like a constant, constant alertness, constant focus, constant like use of your muscles. And you really only notice balance until you're out of balance and you're like swinging one way or the other. And there's actually, you know, big movements. And so I think like for me, I'm in a constant state of this exact same process of just like, okay, you know, if I've done, you know, if I was to give advice, like if you're doing something and like the exercise that I would have done then is to do this value thing of like, okay, this is what I value across my life. That's what I did for brand. I was able to really get into the nitty gritties and then create strategies, goals, and objectives against what I thought was really a true center for, for this brand and how that relates to the world right now and what's most relevant. And like, do the exact same thing for yourself. Like, what is it that you ultimately kind of value for the self you know right now? And how is it that you're actually going for whatever that looks like? Um, and just kind of know that, you know, there's just a, you know, there's, there's ups and downs of uh, exhilaration, I guess, within your career and whatever um, things that others may deem as success. but that if you get that sense where it's like, I thought this is going to be something else, or this really does not feel like me, um, to pay attention earlier, pay attention kind of as quick as you can and make, make those pivots when you're, you know, more nimble. Um, I don't know if that's a long way to answer your question. I don't know if that's helpful. No, no, it's super helpful, David. And you touch on so many things that I think are really important when it comes to sustainable ambition. I'll probably cover them off a little bit more. And I so much around just really paying attention, um, listening to those little voices of something's off. The idea of, you know, balance, I struggle with the word balance too. And I think it is, I kind of see it as more like imagine you're on a tightrope, you are balancing, but you are constantly adjusting and paying attention. And, you know, and then it's only like you said, in those key moments where you're like, oh, something is off and I need to change something. And I think this idea of also really paying attention to your values and aligning to those values. I talk about that around right success, one of the three pillars of, of uh, sustainable ambition. And so there's a lot, so much good in what you just shared. Um, and then I want to go back to as well, you just said um, when you were talking about your story, you know, it didn't quite, you know, the travel, it wasn't quite every, you know, what you expected. And I think, um, I'm curious if you could, if you could share a little bit more about what might've surprised you no most or, and what you learned or what you knew at the, after it on the other side of it that you didn't know before you went into it. Well, I think like, well, that's, I learned a lot. So it's pretty hard to sort of stay, you know, People one need to go read the book. Uh, yeah, it's I, one. I, so I, I do know. So if you want to kind of <laughs> do some highlights, well, to, you know. I think like, <laughs> you know, for me, I think one of the first things I realized was that change is, even if you're, you know, what I considered myself to be somewhat young, but I'm not exactly 18 or I wasn't exactly 18 when I left, you know, change is challenging. And like, um, it, you know, right off the bat, when I left, I learned a whole bunch of things about myself, you know, that I had a lot of identity with work, I had, um, 
a lot more fear of of um, a lack of stability and like all these kind of things that I just didn't have when I was 18 the last time I traveled around, you know? And so I think like, you know, a huge part of the trip was, um, you know, surprisingly interpersonal. Um, and when you're traveling, you really want to be present. Like, you know, you can continuously say, well, I didn't go all the way wherever I am to just not be here, you know? And I think like, it's, it's harder to do that at home. It's like, well, you woke up in the, especially during COVID, you woke up in the same place. And, you know, there's lots of reasons to not be present, but when you're on a trip, you know, you really want to be present and you're, you're, you're faced with different things that enable you um, to be present and you're faced with things that really kind of pull you away from that. And so a lot of that becomes kind of like, you know, interpersonal. And I think one of the things, you know, coming home was just how important it is to try to keep that presence, try to keep space for a sense of sense of spontaneity um, and how um, you know, how counterintuitive it can feel to do that because we have lists and we have things that we have to get done. And very often the things that we have to get done feel, you know, monumental. And I think it's really hard to be present to what's going on. And um, the little tricky part of it is that like very often, if you are, you know, the things that are going on or those problems that you need to solve are all running in the background. And I often think about it as like, you know, if you're oriented from like an intention standpoint, um, you know, you will just start to see things that matter, right? It's sort of like, oh, I got a, a maroon Subaru. I think everyone in Portland has a maroon Subaru, but like, that's what we have. And I see them everywhere now. I'm like, oh, look, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. And it's just like, I'm not looking for a maroon Subaru, but I just happen to own one. And there's a lot here. Maybe that's one of the reasons, but any car you have, you just see your same car all over the place. Right. And I think like it doesn't take any effort. And I think like that's one of the big things that I took away was just uh, the value of being present. I mean, nothing on our trip great would have happened if we weren't really present um, to some level of spontaneity. I mean, you know, planning is really important. Right. And we did a ton of planning um, and that the two aren't really a conflict. I don't want to like put them as like, oh, everything was just spontaneous and wild. But it's more that like as you're going through your plan, as you're doing what you're doing, that you're very much so awake to experience what you're doing. Um, and so, you know, bringing that in on the on the flip end was um, was a big kind of like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, it wasn't really what I thought the trip would be about, but that really was what it was about was like the more and more present we were just the better and better the trip was. And that was basically the key to having a good time. <laughs> but it's like, and I think it's kind of the same now. It's like sort of the key to, 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 to a lot of different things is really being aware of what's going on and being connected to, to what you're doing. I can go on. I can tell you yeah, more, but I, I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think it's so wise. And, you know, it really resonates with me because this was one of my biggest lessons from my time off too, which is, and I really wish I recognized it while I was on the trip, but it was kind of this 
fretting about things while I was on the trip and recognizing that it was impacting me negatively. And it's like, I wasn't going to solve it right then. And I was not fully embracing where I was. And it really struck me in reading the book, Alexandra notes in the book about how, you know, three months before the end, she went ahead and started to consider work upon return. And she writes that it was her biggest single regret of the trip. So I can very much relate to this. And I just want to mention this because it relates to what you're talking about, that I've even experienced this on vacation, you know, like a seven day vacation where you're like, oh, I'll just check email quickly. And all it takes is one email that's kind of written in a snarky way, or you misinterpret that can throw you off and like ruins one or more days of your vacation. And it's just so not worth it. So this idea of like staying present and protecting your time in your mental space, I think is really, really important. And I'm taking away that you are saying not just when you're away, right. not just when you're traveling for a year, but essentially day to day. Like, are you present for your life? Yeah, and I think that's been, and that will always just sort of be, it's not, I sometimes just get so frustrated with myself of like, I thought you learned that trick already. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you figure that out? Um, and I think like, you know, no, I, I didn't, uh, I will, but I did figure out that, like, I got to figure it out today and I got to figure it out again tomorrow and like in the next 20 minutes. And I think like, that was a big, I think a big kind of, you know, piece to the whole thing is like, okay, continue to be present, um, and preserve that ability and, and take like a bet on that, that, it, that it's going to it's going to work out well. Um, and it, it's just, I just think it's so easy to not be, to just get kind of caught up on what's going on. And it's such an easy thing to say, be present, but it really makes you, you know, no one wants to be present to things that aren't great. You know, if you're not feeling great, you don't want to be present to that. Like you want to, you would like to move away from that feeling as quickly as possible. And I think like it's it's kind of counterintuitive. Like you touch a hot stove, it hurts, and you just like you never ever do that again. But like with things that pull you away from being present, whether it's not being satisfied in your career or anything else that's going on, it requires you to sit with that and actually kind of look at it. And like unlike the physical world where it's like there's no time where you're required to put your hand back on a hot stove. I think with like emotional things and like the ability to be present and see what's going on and like does sometimes ask you to sit and be uncomfortable with what is going on and actually like return there versus running away and saying like, okay, um, well, you know, let's look at this with like a lens of interest to say like I'm interested in why you know and that's also super hard because normally you know it's it's more than interest it's like you're upset yourself or you're you know enthused by yourself or whatever it may be and I think like um, the pursuit of being more present whether it's on the trip or whether it's working through an email that you get on vacation or whether it's just getting through, you know, day-to-day kind of life, especially through COVID, it's just it's interesting to allow the, you know, fluctuation of, of what you're feeling and what you're processing to enable yourself to be as there as you can, as you can be. Um, and I just, I found it to be one of those um, practices, I guess, uh, that's really useful. 
Yeah. And this is one of the things I really love about the book, David, is that you and Alexandra address the emotional side of things, as well as like the connection of those emotions around like the opinion of others as well. And I was wondering if you could say, so I, I mean, I really highly encourage people who are going to travel like this to pick up the book, because this was one of my lessons in taking time off too, is that one doesn't realize that you're going, just as you said, you are going through a change and you go through all the stages of change and transitions that are typical. And we don't always think about how, how do I prepare myself for that? How do I deal with what's in the middle? How do I deal with re-entry? And you talked about identity impact. And I wanted to see if you could just say a little bit more about that and maybe on like how that related to Mm re-entry and coming back into both the, you know, coming home as well as then like stepping back into work and career. Yeah. I think one of the, like probably the biggest um, lessons I had, I think Brian Ng, you know, we both know, asked, I think we were getting whiskey, asked me like, so what did you learn on the trip or something like that? And um, I don't know what I said, if I said this exactly then or if I thought it about it after we left but like i think i said it then um but basically there is like no that there really isn't a sustainable option other than to be yourself and i think like for me generally i've been able to be pretty flexible um like okay you know if you need me to do this i'll be that way and i and it's always like I think I may be, you know, who knows? I'm not, I've never been in anyone else's skin, but I may be more flexible than the average person. <laughs> not really sure. But I know that it has brought up things where like, especially like interpersonal, where I can come across very, very tight day and then I can come across like completely like an artist. Like I can kind of like be like completely on either end. And, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. So in some ways I really can struggle with, you know, being really like your, you know, authentic self or um, showing up as yourself. And it's an amorphous thing. Like every day you change a little bit every day, you know, you, it's not, it's not, you know, you're, you're, you're not stagnant. You're, you're, you're a dynamic kind of person. And I think like, um, you know, with that whole process of like, I guess I could say, you know, with coming back in and Brian asking, you know, what did you learn and saying that, you know, there's really not a sustainable option other than to be yourself. I think that like I put together a sense that I will need to, you know, approach this daily, I guess I should say, Um, similar to the presence piece that like, I'll need to kind of come back to this all the time and say like, okay, if I'm looking for another job, um, will I be myself and kind of for how long? And so like, I just have found it to be sort of continuous. And I think like right now I have two young kids. One of the biggest things that I've picked up from that is just that people are born different. Um, And that like, they're just really it's like there's a lot of things that happen in the world from a, you know, nature standpoint that I may have underestimated before. And that like, we don't necessarily, 
all fall into these like you know into these little spots and we're needing to see different pieces of ourselves at different times um and i think like for some that means one career their whole entire existence one thing that they just pursue and they do and for other people um it doesn't mean that and i don't think there's really a right or wrong i mean everyone like doesn't know right way to, to go but like i think that for for a lot of people um you know that traditional path of uh of career and for me um that traditional path is probably never going to feel all that satisfying um and so like you know, it's just, it's just kind of an interesting piece. I don't know if that answers your question or not. <laughs> I feel like I, I wandered a bit on that one. Well, no, that's okay. I mean, what what's coming up for me in hearing your answer is what I talk about with sustainable ambition. One of the other pillars is what I call right aspiration. And it's this idea of I say it's about building a regenerative career. And it's partly because I believe that our satisfaction and our ambition ebbs mm-hmm. and flows over time and that it changes from decade to decade. And part of what I hear you describing is both that that ebbing and flowing and and kind of how, you know, looking at satisfaction at different times that, you know, we're dynamic people and that, you know, you need to pay attention to that over time. But I'm also hearing you say you know, because I think both of us at times in our careers maybe have taken untraditional paths. Um and it's like this challenge of trusting um, and leading into who you are as opposed to what you think you need yeah. to be. And I wonder if you have, you know, that's partly of where you were going with that, which is kind of, Hey, I'm going to, I need to, the only sustainable option <laughs> is to be yourself and to kind of pay attention to who you are becoming mm-hmm. and, you know, whether or not along the way, do you need to make adjustments to that? Um, and, and the importance of like, perhaps, you know, you know, even if it's, you know, hey, early on in your career, maybe you are fine putting yourself into a box because you need to check those because you need to check the boxes. Right. But then there's going to kind of be like, hey, am I paying attention? And am I honoring who I am? Am I honoring my values? Um, Am I leaning into who I am? So I don't know if you want to say anything more about that. Perhaps you already covered it just in what you shared earlier. But if that's, you know, makes you think of anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, to be, I can talk about that for sort of forever. I mean, I feel like it's um, it's just such an interesting challenge for some people, and it seems like not so much a challenge for for everybody. Um, and I find that to be, you know, if if you are in the world of like, you know, especially if you have any element of the creative side. Um, and that there is like this, this kind of more amorphous sort of life force that's giving you drive or not giving you drive, or you're wanting to create something. And um, it's that, you know, perpetual process of really showing up to place a bet on yourself. And, you know, when you think about it logically, it's like, well, who else are you going to place a bet on? You know, you kind of have to place a bet on yourself. But I think that, as you said, you need to go through and you need to check boxes. You don't need to, but like younger in my career, I really very much so felt that I needed to. Um, and you develop or I developed a skill set in and around doing exactly what I felt like I needed to do. Um, and as I've gotten older, 
that skill set is that conflict with another skill set that I worked on, which was to, you know, do the things that we talked about, to figure out how to be present and to figure out how to, um, you know, be a bit more authentic in what you're up to. And I think that those two, you know, elements of like, hey, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's like a steel town kind of place. You know, there's like nose of the grindstone, like just just do what you're supposed to do. Um, and that there's some great elements of that. Like a lot of times that that is what you decide to do. You choose to, to remove that choice, right? And like just just do this. Um, and but in the long term, when you're thinking of your next move and your next move, um, and I'm thinking about like optionality of how I want to go forward as I know this about myself that I like to be challenged and find new interest. It's like, how are you then listening to where you are right now? How are you engaging in the world in a way that feels like, um, value to you it feels valuable it feels like you know you're 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 doing something um that is fulfilling and i think you know for so many people that remains the same job doing almost kind of the same thing your whole life i've always been fascinated by that um and really enjoy kind of talking to people that have enjoyed incremental differences through their career doing very 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 much so the same exact thing um and that sometimes on my end just seems like easier, but maybe it's not. I have no idea. I've never been that person. But, you know, for me, it's very much so like, okay, um, you know, what could this next thing look like? Um, how is my mind engaged? And, and how am I feeling challenged? And, and, and how do I feel like I'm putting something of value out there um, in some way, uh, improving things, making things somewhat better or, or, or um however i define better and like you know it's it's been that's i think that that has been um something that's just really interesting to, to follow because as you said we who were becoming i guess you should say you know um and that it is this active process of uh what's going on i think having kids or any other life change really puts a twist into that as well where it's like you know, I literally have different desires now, which is such an interesting, interesting thing. I'm just like, oh, okay, now that life changed. Like, um, you know, you want different things, you see things differently. Uh, so, yeah, it's it just, it's interesting to try to hold on to that and take it seriously versus like, okay, that is, I do not have this choice, you know? Um, and then the biggest thing is you choosing not to make a choice or actually just believing that you don't have a choice when you probably likely do. Yeah. Yeah. So much value in what you just shared there. I mean, and I think what's one of the things, starting with your last point in terms of the value of really acknowledging that, because I don't think we all think about this enough, which is that our satisfaction or our ambitions or what we're looking for at different stages of our life, mm -hmm. they're, they're different. It just, it changes. And I think people get surprised. And I think through sustainable ambition, what I'm trying to do is also like take away a little bit of the surprise, like right. open people's eyes a little bit more to this awareness that this happens. And I think that's exactly what you were just talking about. And I also want to punctuate just two other things that you noted, which is 
um, that there's nothing wrong at all. And this is not what I mean by sustainable ambition either. There's nothing wrong with following a consistent path, man. If you found that and it sings for you, like <laughs> God bless you. Like, I mean, that's wonderful. <laughs> and like you said, some of us are wired that way and some of us aren't. And, you know, even within that, I think there's still, uh, you know, new levels of satisfaction or new ways that you're looking at things, new ambitions. Um, and I also think that, and I think you and I would both agree with this, which is we both feel a lot more confident and or that we have a lot more flexibility now having checked yeah. some of those boxes early on in our career and that there's a lot of power in that. And, you know, going back to your book, one of the quotes that I, I liked as well as this note, and even though it was from, I, I believe, kind of the start of the book where it's like, you know, from our experience, there's no simple path to follow when it comes to mustering the courage needed to deviate from the norm of your mm -hmm. norm. And I think that there's something really beautiful to acknowledge that um, it's, you know, it gets back to that stepping out and, and change and that that can be a challenging step, but a really powerful one at that. Um, so again, it comes back to me to this importance of kind of just paying attention um, and being aware of what's, what's going on. Yeah. With you. And, uh, you know, I very often feel like I do not have the courage to to do that. You know, that same question of before of like, okay, if this is like, I think it's probably because I'm somewhat flexible and I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is very much so. I'm sure it's very different now, but like, you know, just do what you're supposed to do. Um, and I always watch it pay, not pay off. And, you know, but it consistently, for me at least, like um, has the illusion of um, paying some, you know what I mean? At least break even of an investment of my time and, and focus, uh, depending on how you look at it. But as I've looked at it and gotten older, I no longer believe that. I don't think it was a break even venture whenever I'm pushing against something I really don't want to do because you're just fueling that skill set or you're you know, getting yourself into a, a mindset that is likely detrimental to um, to your general well-being, right? And your general well-being is, is really what's supporting you to be successful in your career, right? And so I think that there's this, this tension. And every time there's a change, like right now, I'm being about a change, I'm faced with the the exact same trepidation. I'm like, oh, I don't think you know, I want to veer from what I do. And like, it's, it's interesting. Like every time I've done it, it's when it's been so great. But every time I do it, it is also terrifying. <laughs> Which is, it's just kind of like, maybe it's like jumping in a lake or something like that. Or just, you know, you're always a little freaked out because it's going to be cold. And when you're in there, you're like, oh, it's the best. But it is an interesting thing that I... um Sometimes I wish wasn't the case, but I definitely feel like it takes sort of courage, yeah, to move from the norm that's become your norm um, type of type of uh, type of decision. And I wish that I was I could stand here and say like, oh, it's so it's easier and easier. It's like intermittent fasting. Everyone told me that it's supposed to be so easy after three months. That is not true. I'm a year and a half in. Turns out that I'm hungry every single morning. <laughs> I want to eat. It's just, I think it's the same thing whenever you're like, okay, let's make this other change. It's a little bit scary. Um, 
but I do think that like the more and more I get older, the more and more I, um, the anxiety, I guess, is dramatically less, but it is still very scary, but it's not as the, the deep fear of like, okay, I'm going to do something that's off the beaten path that definitely feels most genuine. And that's the other thing I always struggle with is like, can it be like all the way to gold? Like instead of most genuine, mm. most authentic, can't it just be absolutely genuine, 100% authentic? And like, I just don't think that often happens either where it's like the light bulb goes off and, you know, the cloud part and this thing, you know, appears where it's like, this is what I'm going to do, you know, come hell or high water. I think it's very often incremental steps of what is most genuine, what is most aligned, um, you know, what is the best next decision to get to this thing that I value. Um, and it, I think that can also make it more scary because it's not like this guarantee. It's mm-hmm. these incremental steps that are moving you towards um, something that, you know, that you feel that you value and that you hope that you value later on. Um kind of an interesting interesting kind of challenge and I do think it becomes you know easier I always wish it just was easier (laughs) yeah I know well and I think this is really important for people because I think that around um frankly we all expect so much from our lives (laughs) many of us and as well as from our careers and from companies and our jobs and I think that taking this pressure off of it needs to be absolute mm-hmm. and it's kind of what's just it's the most or it's the best or it's the next you know it's still making incremental improvement i think is really really important actually yeah. um and so i appreciate that you emphasize that um i wanted to i'm just going to start to um as we wrap up here i wanted to ask you talk about it at the end of the book and both you and alexandra write to this and i i don't know if this was purposeful but you write, the adventure is not coming to an end. It's just one adventure after the next. And then Alexandra wrote, you know, we equally didn't know what this next phase would bring. Maybe in a way we were still traveling after all. So I wanted to ask you, what's your next adventure and what's the next chapter of the book? <laughs> well, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're publishing um, swearing or not on here, but we had the joke of, uh, this was called a year off. And then after that, we wanted to write the book a year full fucking on. <laughs> because it was so intense. Like we came back, we both started these crazy, you know, careers. We got a book deal. We got pregnant. We decided to get married. It was just like, ah, it's just this unbelievable, wild adventure of like, you know, what is next? And I think, um, you know, since then, I hope to not have another time so wild, um, you know, after that. And, and it was a really, you know, it was an interesting time. And it may, that whole, that other year may actually spur on another, um, another book, actually, which is kind of, kind of funny. But, um, you know, I think for me, holding that, that line of like, you know, the next travel or the next adventure, what I enjoy about that um, and still feel is that, you know, there's this, for me, way I sometimes see discipline or whatever you're up to, whether it's like a serious thing or travel, not a serious thing, you know, that these little categories 
that like I'll sometimes forget to keep a little bit of humor in in certain things and feel free to add humor in other things. And I think just looking at life with that general perspective of like um, not so precious, right? That we're just kind of going from one thing um, to our next thing. And like, why not look at it as your next adventure? You know, why, why not look at it with a little bit of a, like a lighter or softer edge to, um, to what's going on? And like, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a challenging time. It doesn't mean that it doesn't require an incredible amount of discipline. Um, but that it, it like isn't so precious. It isn't so linear to something. You don't get anything in the end, right? We're all kind of passing on at some point. <laughs> There's a lot about the journey that's, you know, quite important. There's a lot about today that's quite important and tomorrow. And like, you know, taking that perspective of like, okay, like, here we go on the adventure of everyday life. I think it's something I strive towards. I don't think it's something I like own, but it's really something that like, I do agree with. And I think, you know, right now, as I look at ask the exact same question, um, a lot of what I've been interested in, you know, since pre-writing the book, and I actually dropped out of school to write a book on a similar topic to this, and I've used it throughout my career, but like incorporating what may, you know, I, I studied anthropology, and then looking at potentially bringing in more psychology to look at brands, which has been kind of what I've done for a long time, but also just look at organizations and how we work um, and also look at individuals and, and how uh, we all work and just kind of seeing, um, like we said before, seeing value there for a reason or another um, and, and really kind of putting that into my own personal values. I'm sure I'll eventually make money in the whole deal as well, but like more than anything um, is, is trying to look at other value, non-monetary value and saying like, how does this sort of feel? Um, and right now, how would it look? And then how could it look iterations later? And how is it kind of my next best bet on uh, optionality that enables me to be an authentic me based on who I think I'm becoming, <laughs> you know, and just say like, okay, you know, I think that, um, you know, this is just a very interesting path. And so, you know, there's realities. I'm not independently wealthy. Um, and so, you know, continuing to work on the, in the interim and, and, and still having quite the um, engagement there to have that also be continuing in the same general path of um, a bit more authentic about, okay, yeah, this is what I want to be up to. And then adding this other piece. And I have no idea how one approaches it, you know, it could be anything from, probably not a very quick PhD, but like a very, you know, slow process towards PhD, or it could have nothing to do with schooling, you know, so it's just another one of those open kind of paths. Um, and we'll see, you know, in the next probably month or two, as I kind of cement this plan where it actually goes. Yeah, I love that. And I think we were talking earlier before we got it started, just you're already, what you're describing there is you're planting the seeds for that next path and the adding on to everything that you've already done and um, set out for yourself, but you're recognizing 
hey, I want something more here, honoring who I am and how am I starting to lay the path for what's next, which I think is great. So um, by the way, I think you should write that second book. I actually think it's a really important <laughs> chapter uh, in terms of like how people really re-enter. So um, I encourage you to do that if you can fit it in amongst like raising two <laughs> young ones um, <laughs> and doing everything else you do. But um, David, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I've learned a ton. And I think what's wonderful about it is it's, yes, if somebody wants to take a year off, great. But what you have shared are these really life lessons that people can be bringing into their day-to-day that I think are just so powerful. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share this with everyone and share it with me and with um, my listeners. Um, And where can people find you to keep in touch? um, Probably LinkedIn is probably the best way to go. Uh, You can message me on there. I try to stay active. And thank you so much for for having me. It was really great to to chat. And uh, I really enjoyed your questions. And thank you for reading the book. Um, Glad that you enjoyed it. Of course. Yes. I'm going to go spend some more time with the pictures, actually, and with the um, what's noted in the pack and looking and comparing uh, to see like what pictures match to what location and what have you. So it's um, I personally can use a little travel wanderlust right now. So I'm going to spend even more time with it now <laughs> over the coming months. So thank you again, David. This has been Thanks, great. Kathy. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.